What is up, Gen X? Welcome back to the water cooler. You know, I really needed a drink of water, especially after this uh, crazy week. So it's good to see you again. Boy, the just the tumultuous back and forth just continues in our country, and it's just really sad to see. Um, that uh, Derek Chauvin verdict uh, came down. I, I don't think there was anything too shocking about that. Um, you know, my gut reaction to that is, was justice served? Um, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to say. I'm, I, I'm not certain if it was it was justice or if it was it was mob justice. You know, I mean, we we have. Yeah, city officials in Minnesota who are advocating to forego, forego due process and and with it every, how everything happened, I, you know, I'm just not so sure. You know, especially when you have Maxine Waters showing up and inciting violence and and you know threatening jurors and and you know, it, it, it's it's hard for me to to see a verdict like this come down and think that that there wasn't something else going on you know it it's very likely and probably somewhat understandable that you know the jurors maybe all or a good part of them just thought you know they needed to protect themselves you know they didn't want to bring any violence upon themselves or their families or their homes and and they went that way you know cuz maybe it could be turned over in appeal and if that's the case then that seems sad and that's probably my biggest hesitation with this is that it wasn't necessarily justice. It wasn't necessarily judged by the legal standard. Um, so I don't know. It, you know, the when everyone watched the you know that video a year ago, everyone was horrified. You know, every, it just seems so, just so awful and, and so unnecessary. And and you know, you still feel bad that that George Floyd died. You know, that all seems so unnecessary. But then when you have the the legal standards that we do and and the evidence that was was brought up with, from the fentanyl to the heart issues to the um the doubt whether you know the 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 knee was the one that 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 caused him to 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 die or what whatever i it it just seems like there was reasonable doubt all over the place and so I don't know. Um, it, it it it's will it be overturned. It I don't know. I, I it, it it seems like the defense certainly has a case all over the place. Yeah, at some point and a number of points that will, will be overturned, but but we'll see. So that that's that's my biggest hesitation with this is I'm just not sure that if this was actual justice or if it was mob justice. So it was it was just sad to see all around. I mean this whole whole thing has been sad to watch, you know, except for, you know, the the violence and the rioting. I mean that's just abhorrent and an embarrassment. Everything else regarding this case has just been sad from from the get-go, you know. I don't know what else to say other than that and we'll it'll be interesting to keep an eye on on what happens as far as appeals go. Um, but, you know, I can't help but feel like, you know, the, again, there was, you know, the mob was served to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, there was some, you know, some rioting and some, some protests that, that came after that, you know, not surprisingly. Yeah, there, and there was a lot of people who were, were, were really, really, really hoping for a guilty verdict that, that just seemed to, you know, 
to be salve for their soul. You know, it seemed to be exactly what they wanted, but I, that I can't help but think it's a, a bit of a hollow victory for them, you know, um, because they'll simply never be satisfied. And uh, we'll, we'll get to Le- LeBron James in a second as to an example of that. But it kind of makes me, me think like it's, it's something along the lines of you know, someone who's been starving, who hasn't eaten for, for days or weeks, and they have a bag of Skittles. Right, and that bag of Skittles tastes great. You know that you you're hungry, you you haven't eaten for a long time, and that bag of Skittles tastes so great. But it goes by really fast, and it doesn't satisfy your hunger, and it certainly doesn't give you the nutrition that you actually need. And this verdict for those for the mob feels like Skittles. You know, I, it it just does not seem like it's going to. To give them what they want, and again, it makes me wonder again whether or not it was was justice. But you know, we'll see. I would not be surprised. In fact, I would almost expect at some point to be overturned, and around around we go. But we'll see how that goes. But on the sad side of things, you know, we continue to see more shootings across the country, um, and they tend to follow your very typical narrative that we see. You know, from the you know, depending on who the perpetrator is, it it's either the problem of police, it's a problem of white supremacy, it's a problem of a gun, or ignore it altogether. Um, and I'll kind of give you some examples. So the the one here locally, um, Adam Toledo, that 13 year old boy who was was shot and killed by police. Um, they they dropped some very edited video of, of it and and this backlash was predictable and swift online that the police shot this unarmed 13-year-old boy of color and it's, it's another example of of racist cops and you know killing our children and blah 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 well the infuriating thing about that whole episode is that video when it first dropped was profoundly edited and as I watched it it seemed really weird it was very jumpy it was hard to follow what was going on and when you see the unedited version, you see very clearly this kid had a gun in his hand, sprinted down an alleyway, and tossed it behind a fence. And as he turned, his right hand was still at his hip, and that's when he gets shot. So it's very easy for me to think that under that under the circumstances, the police saw that this kid had a gun, saw that he stopped, turned, had his right hand at his hip, and felt like that was a threat. In fact, one of the news stations in Chicago had the security video footage from across the alley, and you see clear as as bell as a bell. There's two um, breaks in the fence, and you can see the kid running. You see the the officer pursue him. And you see the kid come up to one of the breaks, toss it, and turn, and then get shot. Now, a couple of things that that bothered me about that whole thing. First things first, a 13 year old kid. Uh, getting shot by the police that's just sad you know I have a 13 year old and it just I, I I could not fathom the other thing I couldn't fathom would be my 13 year old being out with a 20 year old shooting a gun at 2:46 in the morning on a Tuesday night in April I I can't fathom how that would be either I mean that kid was failed all over the place, you know, from his parents or whoever is supposed to be taking care of that kid. He was failed. 
um, to even get to that point. Um, but of course, within within hours, the name of the officer, um, I believe his name was Eric Stillman, was 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 dropped um, and and put out into the press. And you know, again, we still don't know the the name, the identity of the officer who who killed Ashley Babbitt at the Capitol. But in these cases, when it serves the narrative, you better believe that is going to get dropped. Just like uh, Kim Potter, you know, the officer who who shot and killed uh, Dante Wright. You know, he she's has been now charged uh, in that case as well. Um, and, and again, it it seems like that's another set of skittles. You know that if you know, they're going after this this police officer who was who was in the act of apprehending somebody with an outstanding warrant, and again, whether or not you accept that she went for for the taser and actually grabbed the gun, that's a whole other debate that certainly is fair and can, and can be had. But it's amazing how quickly the name of the officer in that case was dropped. Um, but you know, you compare that to, I, I believe it was some last, last Wednesday or Thursday. Um, there's a, a 16 year old boy in Maryland named Peyton Ham. Now just pause for a second. Tell me if, if you've heard that name, you've certainly heard the name Adam Toledo. You've certainly heard the name Dante Wright and you sure as heck can know the name of George Floyd. Do you know the name of Peyton Ham? See, Dante was 20. Adam was 13. Peyton Ham was 16 years old. And Peyton Ham was playing with an airsoft gun. An airsoft gun is, is it's a gun that looks somewhat realistic, but shoots um, soft rubber pellets. Um, without getting into you know, too much into the details, um, Maryland State Police uh, saw him playing with this gun and thought that um, it was real and shot and killed him. Now you haven't heard that story. You haven't heard certainly the name of the Maryland State Police officer who shot and killed Peyton Ham. Peyton Ham does not fit the demographic that Dante Wright, Adam Toledo, or George Floyd fit. And as soon as as that instance happened, it, it falls into the ether. It is not cared about by the broader press. You, you don't hear about about um, police vi- brutality and, and methods and use of force. You don't hear any of that with regard to Peyton Ham. That story just goes away. Uh, in, in Indianapolis, there was an, also a, a shooting, which was was pretty sad to to see. There, there was a shooting at a FedEx facility in, in, in Indianapolis, I believe right by the airport there ultimately eight people were dead and as the news dropped that that there was this active shooter um of, of course you know everyone you know braces to find out how many how many deaths how many people were hurt but again in our fast news fast media social media culture that we have there was this rush and almost anxious energy to find out the who the shooter was you know and and also is quick um it was identified that in that this fedex facility um, has a very high um population of of sikh uh, people you know, you know sikhs were i believe are are from india 
Um, they are, they, you know, wear turbans and have long beards. So a lot of people tend to mistake them, um, for being Muslim. Um, and I think right here, right after 9-11, there were you know, several instances of, of, you know, these individuals who are Sikh who are being targeted for harassment and, and prejudice because of what they looked like. And, and they were not, you know, part of that, that faith and, it, and, and what have you. So you know, I think there, there's certainly an understandable uh, reason to, you know, fear discrimination against that particular population. But in this case, that was one of the first things to drop before you knew how many were dead. There were, there were stories all over that said, this is a popular, a, a, a racial attack against the Sikh community. Well, I'm, come on. <laughs> it was, it was just, it was vulgar to see that type of of follow just immediately happened before you knew any details. You didn't know how many were hurt. You didn't know how many were shot in total. You didn't know how many died. You didn't know who the shooter was. And it was just sad. Um, and the you've probably heard the name of this, the shooter. His name was Brandon Scott Hull, I believe. A kid 19 years old, apparently a very troubled kid, a kid that was known um, by the FBI and and was at one point purported to to say, maybe even to his mother, that he wanted to die um, by police suicide. So he wanted to do something where the police would have to shoot him, which is apparently a, just a thing. It 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 had it happens, and you know it's sad because you know that, that's a, a a human being, a, albeit a police officer, killing someone else. But in this case, that wasn't that didn't happen. He he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, but. Yeah, apparently there were eight who were dead, and and I I think half of them at least were in fact Sikh, and and that was the the focus of of the fallout from this is that this was attack and a racial attack on the Sikhs. Well, uh, also among the dead was like a nineteen year old white girl, was a, a a grandfather, a white grandfather in his fifties. I'm it it sounds like the, this shooter. This, this piece of garbage was just or very troubled person at least was was just spraying um, into into the into the facility you know, it, it may or may not have been targeted I, don't we don't know again hopefully there's an investigation that will happen where we can get the answers to these things but um, that's not how how it happens you know it's it's this rush to judgment it's it's this rush to uh, meet this narrative of of white supremacy of of racial injustice and and systemic racism and that is what drives the narratives again now something that doesn't necessarily drive the narratives all you've you've seen a bit of it in in the news was poor little Jocelyn Adam and this girl is seven years old she was with her father in Chicago um, going through a McDonald's drive-thru and she was shot and killed in the drive-thru and and her dad was shot several times and and did not die and just a just a sad sad story you know this poor little kid this this seven-year-old girl um but you, you don't really know. I mean, who, any of the details other than that, and and you know the the perpetrators in this do, do not fit the narrative, right? We're going back to Charles Barkley, right? You know these race hustlers in 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 politics and in the media. You know they drum this up, and it's it's just gross, as a, as personified by Chris Cuomo, you know, who said you know in response to the Adam Toledo uh, shooting is that 
nothing will happen until or, or something along the lines of that white kids need to die in order for people to care about this, which is just a disgusting sentiment because, you know, Peyton Ham, did, did, does Chris Cuomo care about Peyton Ham? Um, does Peyton Ham being shot by the police, is that going to spur on whatever he wants to happen? I don't know. But he seems to be conveniently ignoring it so he can further his narrative. It's just disgusting. I mean, he's he's a charlatan. He's a race hustler. Race hustler. He's a piece of garbage. Um, you know, he he seems to be ignoring the uh, mass shooting in Texas, um, you know, much like the you know Colorado supermarket because the perpetrator did not fit the demographic. You know, it was a he was a very diverse perpetrator in that shooting in Austin. And just as soon as that hits the news, it goes away. No one, no one cares. But you know, over the this past week, coincidentally, Project Veritas dropped this video of a CNN producer admitting, point blank, that CNN pushes stories of race hatred or fears of COVID, and you have a a case tracker and a death tracker because. Fear and hatred is what drives ratings. And that's what sells. He flat out admitted it in in these tapes and, and that that Project Veritas obtained. Again, further cementing what we what we heard from Charles Barkley, you know, and and what we saw exemplified from Chris Cuomo. Whatever fits the narrative is what they will push. And in all of these sad instances, from George Floyd to Adam Toledo to Dante Wright. And you know Peyton Ham, the shooting in Colorado, how how it's treated is along what sells, what drives the hatred, what stokes fear, and it's disgusting. And at some point, it has to stop. And if it's us Gen Xers that need to do it, then that's what we got to do. You know, I, I I tell my boys all the time. I'm like, listen, there's a lot of hatred out there. The only thing you can do is not participate. Yeah, you know, and and them in particular, you know, they come from a very unfortunate demographic right now. I mean, they are white males. Therefore, they are going to be hated. They're going to be hated for how they were born. And they're going to be met with a lot of of harsh harsh feelings that are not their fault, a lot of hatred. But they cannot answer that with hatred. I tell that all, tell them that all the time. I'm like, the only way that you can handle that hatred is to let them have it all to themselves. You can let them monopolize that hatred. You do not need to participate. At some point, that cycle needs to stop because that's what the media is trying to do. That's what so many politicians are trying to do. And at some point, it has to stop and it might as well stop with you. You know, just don't participate in that hatred and in maybe it's because you know again as a gen xer you know i was raised in this post post civil rights era you know i i grew up you know listening to martin luther king's speech uh from washington uh reading his letters from birmingham jail and taking them all into heart and it's just i, I believe he was inspired and he he was speaking truth and and that's how all of us should live but our culture does not seem to abide by those precepts it seems to abide by stoking anger, stoking fear, and stoking hatred, and at some point that has to stop. And it's, you know, maybe it's us Gen Xers who need to continue that and teach that to our kids. Yeah, that's certainly what I'm doing, and I, and I hope all of you are, as well. Um, because, you know, the that just continues over and over and over again. And you know, the last example that that I have here is as in Columbus, Ohio, and, and you certainly heard this story. 
got a lot of attention. You know, as the Derek Chauvin verdict was being read, uh, Michaela Bryant, who was 15 or 16, was shot and killed by Columbus police. And of course, the narrative immediately was that the police have shot another unarmed black teenager again. And that's where this backlash was was quick. Only problem is, uh, Michaela, at the time of her shooting, and there is a body cam footage that shows this, and hopefully we'll see more footage that as they gather and investigate. Of course, like I always say, just, you, you got to wait to give your final judgments based on all the facts that are given and, and all the the investigations that that happen. But the knee jerk to this is certainly that, well, it seems like it was understandable. You know, the, the police walk up to this uh, incident where there's some kind of fight or scuffles going on and this girl has a knife and is trying to stab this other girl who doesn't. And the girl with a knife got shot. Now, of course, the, the reaction, like I said, was being swift. It, one is just the complete ignoring of the facts. Like the, the Washington Post, among others, said you know this, this was an unarmed uh, girl. Or they just simply ignore the facts and say that, that you know, they needed to disarm or, or something. Whatever will, will fit that this is another example of, of you know, police you know, racially you know, you know, killing an, an, an unarmed um, uh, person. But, but Michaela certainly was not unarmed. Um, and then you have you know, people who look at it and will say, well, it's totally deserved because, you know, she clearly had a knife. You know, she should have been shot. Well, honestly, I don't know. I can got to wait till all the facts come out because it could be that, you know, in just a fit of rage, she grabbed a knife and was going to, going to harm that girl, possibly kill her. And yeah, it was totally justified to shoot her. You saved that girl's life. Or it could be that, that this fight where it was, this girl, or maybe a, a group who was picking on on Michaela, and and that's what she did to defend herself. And it happened to be unfortunate timing that that's when the police rolled up and and she was shot. You know, not too unlike you know in football when you know two guys are jarring and and jawing back and forth to each other, and and one guy pushes pushes someone, then the other guy turns and, and gives him another shove or a or a you know push on the helmet, and he gets flagged for a penalty, right? Because you know it's, it's just it's typical that you see in sports, you know, the, when there's a fight, that the second guy's the one that tends to, tends to, you know, get the penalty and and catch the consequence of, of a fight or a scuffle that's going on. So you know, it could have been that. I don't know. I, I, you gotta wait until these things have time to breathe and, and gather the facts. But again, in in our culture, you know, as as again as Charles Barkley said, and as Project Veritas has obtained evidence. Whatever to stoke the hatred, whatever to stoke the divide, that is what you're going to see. And of course, in all these cases that I've named, that's what we see. And it's sad, it's gross, and it's got to stop. And, and at least I, for one, being a, a, a proud, if not cynical, member of Gen X is going to try my best to make that stop. Certainly, Not only just with me, but certainly with my kids. Speaking of things I gotta stop, um, you know the court packing. Yeah, you know, that oh boy, the, this is another story that it, it is percolated up again, and it's one of those things that again, as a as a cynical member of Gen X, whenever you see this blatant hypocrisy, uh, it just rankles you to no end. And this is certainly one because you know this is one that got a lot of attention over the campaign in 2020, and 
And it was one that was, you know, punted over and over again. You know, Kamala Harris, when asked in a debate, you know, did her weird cackle. Uh, Biden would not answer. He would stutter and stammer and, and not say one way or another whether he was, would, would pack the court. And, of, of course, yeah, I mean, and anyone with a, with a functional brain knew that that's what he was going to do. You know, the, you know Democrats were very tired of not having their person um, be nominated to the Supreme Court. And they were going to do all that they can because really they don't, they rely on the Supreme Court, you know, because you have to have you know people in your corner if you're going to have things not be declared unconstitutional. And that's certainly what they want because, you know, from all the executive orders that he's already done and everything else that he has planned, there's, he's going to need some, some friendly faces on the court. Now, why would this rank other than just the the concept of it? Because, of course, the, the dishonest argument is that you know, they say, well, Republicans have been packing the court for years. Well, you know, the Republicans, again, not being the answer and, and, and not being yeah, what we wish that they probably should be, because uh, so many times they're just as bad as Democrats, but I digress. Um, they they have had plenty of their n- nominees um, placed on the Supreme Court. They don't always vote necessarily from the way that ideology would expect to. Which again, I suppose in one in one sense you would would hope from a court. Although you know the but the Democrat nominees tend to vote strictly on ideological basis. I can hardly think of any significant ruling where a Democrat nominated judge has gone against their orthodoxy. Well, that's what they want to do. So they want to expand the court from nine to, I believe, to add four more, so to make it thirteen, um, and you know, much like you know FDR tried to do and was was uh, you know, received the understandable uh, backlash, and and it didn't happen um, back in his day. In fact, it's a move that Biden has once once called FDR uh, a a corrupt power grab. And that's what. He, what uh, court packing was as far as Biden was concerned, or in fact, in 1983, he called FDR's court packing idea a bonehead idea. You know, that was was good old Joe. That's what he said back in 1983. But, you know, old Jerry Nadler waddled out and and he he said, no, this this is not court packing. This is court unpacking. I mean, gee, Jerry, I mean, should we... Should we go from from nine to five? Yeah, maybe we can take all the uh, the the members who've been there the longest, take them out, and and maybe we can just go back to five judges. If we're going to unpack the court, Jerry, is that what we ought to do? I, I, I'm guessing that's probably not what you meant, but it's corrupt. You're lying. You're dishonest, and we can see right through it. So I'll, we'll we'll keep our eye on that to see if it gets any traction. Maybe as if the midterms start to look next year not so favorable for the Democrats, maybe this idea will pick up more steam. Maybe it'll be sooner than that. I don't know. But we we at the water cooler will keep an eye on it. Now, quickly, uh, to end here today is Earth Day. It is a day where I plan on uh, driving a lot of unnecessary miles in my car with an aerosol spray can out the window the entire time. But you know, I just want to take, take a moment in this uh, ridiculous made-up holiday of sorts and to to acknowledge some nuanced changes that have happened along the, the climate uh, ideology. Now I take you back in your minds a little bit to when you were little. Uh, go back to the 1970s. You're, we were talking about 
you know, crisis and fear that was stoked uh, then, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't climate change or anything. It was actually the coming of a new ice age, which of course me freaked, freaked me out. Cause I live in, in a place that's cold. I am not a fan of cold weather and the fact or the prospect of heading into a new ice age terrified me, you know, the, the prospect of longer winters and cooler springs and summers is not something that I looked forward to. You know, this, this notion of global cooling, you know, was was something that I every time I heard it, it was I was met with dread. Well, that quickly pivoted in the 1980s to the greenhouse effect. So rather than the threat being uh, a coming ice age and cold, it was going to things were going to get hot, and it was going to be desolations and droughts and famines and you know, all things that would come out because uh, carbon dioxide would be trapped in the earth and everything would get hot and just must much like a greenhouse and it would just dry things up and, and we were all going to starve to death. Well, that was quickly on the heels of that and, and somewhat in conjunction in the nineties, uh, the fear became this hole in the ozone. Remember, if, if you remember, remember back to maybe you're in high school or in college, the ozone hole was, that was a big deal, right? Cause the, the hole in the ozone, it was going to, going to have, UV rays from the sun were going to be unprotected as they came in through this hole in the ozone because normally that filters out those dangerous rays and it was going to melt the ice caps in the in in uh, in the in the polar ice caps and that was going to flood the coastlines and that was that was a big threat. Well, then in in two thousands, you know, the, all of that gave way to the, the nuanced language of global warming, right? So now it was no longer the greenhouse effect or the ozone hole, the hole in the ozone seems to have completely not been a thing anymore, but then it became global warming. Well, the problem with that is you could point to cooling trends just as easily as that hockey stick graph that, that predicted extreme spikes in, in temperature. And in fact, by the 2000s, you, you had all, you were hitting these timelines where predictions from the greenhouse effect in the eighties and then the nineties, these spikes in temperature were just not happening happening the way that they were saying. So they had to had to tweak that a little a little bit after the 2000s, and global warming gave way to climate change. Because how can you dispute that, right? Because if you look at it, say, well, we're, we're kind of we're trending downward. Well, that's climate change. Well, okay. What what about the, well, maybe we're getting warmer. Well, that's climate change. I mean, how could you be wrong, right? To try to own that language. Well, apparently, according to Scientific American, the term climate change looks like it's on the outs. So you heard it here first at the water cooler. We're on the cutting edge. And now we are giving way to climate emergency. So buckle up your your Greta, Greta Thunberg braids and brace yourself for the, the combat against the climate emergency. That's where we are because as... Time goes, marches on, and as the predictions uh, fall away and are not met, we have to be able to change it somehow. And, and Scientific American has now given us climate emergency. We'll see how well that sticks. Well, it was good to talk to you and, and, and get all this stuff off of our chest, but you keep doing your thing, Gen X. You know, keep staying above the fray. Stay away from, from all the hatred that's out there. And be your Gen X best. Stay cool, Gen X.